What kind of tools do you need there to manage possibly tens, if not hundreds of thousands of contacts, some of whom have never bought anything from you, some of whom have bought huge amounts of things from you. Maybe they've bought a subscription, maybe they've bought an event, maybe they've bought merchandise, et cetera. All the things that we built to maximize conversion for news publishers, we're seeing are extremely relevant for the wave of creators who we think are kind of discovering these business models and trying to monetize themselves in a very similar way. I'm Jesse Clemens, and this is Creator Kit, where each week we shine the spotlight on awesome new tools and services for the creator economy and unpack how they might help you grow your creator business faster. Creator Kit is presented by Highbeam. Highbeam solves message overload for creators by organizing and prioritizing DMs and comments in one unified workspace so you never miss an important message again. You can find us at highbeamapp.com. On today's episode of Creator Kit, we talk to Jason Bade. Jason's the co-founder and president of Pico, a company that's building customer software for the internet economy with a focus on creators. On today's show, we talk about the surprising parallels between news publishers and creator businesses and why audience relationships are a sort of connective tissue that enables creators to build sustainable businesses across multiple platforms and formats. Let's get to it. Awesome. Jason, welcome to the Creator Kit Podcast. Hey, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Really excited to, to have you on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you. Awesome, man. I've been um, watching from afar since you and I caught up. I guess it was like a month and a half, two months ago. I saw you guys have some really exciting stuff in the works at Pico. And I am ready to dig in. So let's do it. Yeah. Uh, as you know, our intended audience for Creator Kit are creators themselves, typically folks that are a little more operationally minded and are scaling their businesses to, uh, you know, to meet growth that they're facing and want to know all about different tools in the ecosystem that they can use to to uh, make their business move faster. And what better guest to have on the show than someone behind what I understand is the operating system for creators. So thanks for coming on. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Right, let's start there. Operating system for creators. So there's a bunch of different jobs that creators do and need to have done to grow their business. Where does Pico fit in today and where are you guys headed? Yeah. So, I mean, we started Pico basically to help folks make money from their audience relationships. That was the the central core and thrust of, of our business. And everything's evolved from that, which is how do how do creators make money directly from their audience? And kind of the first thing we realized we had to do for the most ambitious of those creators is help them build email lists. That's the number one driver mm -hmm. of ultimately monetization of conversion. It's one thing to get a follower to click on some links, get to uh, whether it's a store or a service or something else. It's another thing to actually have that email address and to be able to have that, that direct relationship. So that's really where our business started. And kind of our initial focus was how do we how do we create that funnel? How do we create conversion events that lead to a successful relationship between a creator and their followers? So what is it about email addresses that are so important? Because I know that some creators do harness email really heavily. Some don't touch it at all. And I imagine there's some there's a, a breakdown of importance depending on whether they're selling a physical or digital product or whether they're 
just relying on ads monetization. Mm -hmm. How does the email address fit in? Why, why was that the sort of the starting point for you guys? Well, first of all, just a point on what you just said. Uh, I think it's, it's really interesting to see the sort of shift of just influencer-based business models, which are much more reliant on eyeballs because the monetization there is a brand partnership. Totally viable business model. Uh, a lot of my favorite creators do brand partnerships. It it makes a lot of sense. The thing is, though, as a as a creator, or you know, what we call our creators creator businesses because most of the folks that are they're working with Pico are are thinking of themselves as not just creating content as, as a hobby, but actually as a, as a business, as a real business that needs to be sustainable, maybe pay more than one person, which is the creator, but a whole team of people. And, you know, increasingly creator businesses are thinking about monetization in a direct to consumer way. And so that might be e-commerce, right? That might be uh, services. It might be subscriptions. It might be coaching. It might be events. There's a increasing plethora. It might be NFTs, or other sorts of virtual goods in gaming or whatnot. The point is that there's a plethora of direct-to-consumer monetization types that really ultimately all rely on that relationship. And you know, we we see this with e-commerce. Any Shopify store, any direct-to-consumer Shopify e-commerce store or restaurant or anything like that, their best customers are going to be folks that they can they can market to directly, as opposed to relying on other platforms to basically surface them at the time and place that that algorithm wants, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or, you know, restaurants, whether it's whatever Yelp is deciding to put at the top. To have control over that relationship is ultimately to have control over when and how you interact with hopefully your best, your best customers. Got it. Got it. So it reminds me a little bit of the rented versus owned audience breakdown that uh, you know, some folks have been talking about recently. Uh, my friend Peter Yang wrote a really awesome piece on this. We've had him on the show. Okay, so it's partially about showing up, you know, at the place and time of your choosing. And then you also mentioned something really interesting, which was like the particular, I, I don't think you said like niche fan group, but some, but um, the really specific group of people that you want to reach either as a brand or as a creator. And it brought to mind for me, um, what I understand is sort of your your root or Pico's roots in the local niche news uh, industry. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe talk to us about this convergence thing because it does seem like there's a lot of parallels between small news organizations and publishers, probably increasingly so. But it might not be obvious uh, what that parallel is at first. How do you guys think about it? Yeah. So when we first started Pico. We were very interested in this idea, and this is going to get a, a little abstract for a second, but for your audience listening, especially for folks who may not know much about media and news publishers, these are sort of like the OG audience builders on the web. And if you, if you look at the top trafficked websites for the first like half of the internet, and even still today, they're all news and media companies, Right. Uh, if you think of the main content drivers of most platforms, it's it's news. So the idea that publishers are sort of like the original creators was not a far stretch for us. And, and in fact, when we are looking for, okay, we want to build infrastructure for entrepreneurs who are selling more than just you know physical goods. I'm holding up 
uh, my coffee mug right now. That was sort of like the first wave of commerce online is is Amazon and Shopify and you know Etsy and like I'm going to build infrastructure to help merchants sell and ship goods to right. end customers. And then we see sort of the rise of of social helping folks deliver those customers to those merchants and you know the sort of marriage of Shopify and Facebook and Instagram is sort of actually this beautifully symbiotic thing of like okay well we can we can leverage Instagram to find all these niches and all this stuff and uh, but from our perspective the first real wave of folks who were selling not just physical goods but sort of virtual goods um, content uh, subscriptions other things that did not have to be shipped in the mail those were news publishers. And, you know, Nick and I and and really our whole team is very motivated by the mission of news publishers, first of all. So the idea of building infrastructure that would help journalists, entrepreneurial journalists, build journalism startups in niches that were not being covered, information that was not getting created because no one was funding it, not because there wasn't demand for it, but because there wasn't infrastructure to sort of harness that demand. That was a key driver of our of our early company mission and still is to this day. Our biggest and in some sense favorite customers in that sense are these amazing news organizations that are doing great work in their communities. But what they've taught us is how to build infrastructure for audience businesses that are trying to build an audience and eventually turn that called anonymous audience into known relationships. And those known relationships being the basis of a sustainable customer base to whom you can continue to sell and create value for for years and years to come. What are the analytics you need? What are the CRM, you know, customer relationship management? What kind of tools do you need there to manage possibly tens, if not hundreds of thousands of contacts that some of whom have never bought anything from you, some of whom have bought huge amounts of things from you, Maybe they've bought a subscription, maybe they've bought an event, maybe they've bought merchandise, et cetera. All the things that we built to maximize conversion for news publishers, now all of a sudden we're seeing are extremely relevant for the wave of creators that's following kind of the path that these early adopting news entrepreneurs laid before them. So it, it's amazing the parallels between kind of the fact that news folks were pushed into direct-to-consumer products before today's creators that you know this new wave of who we think of as creators Mm -hmm. are kind of discovering these business models and trying to monetize themselves in a very similar way fascinating yeah it's it's funny that uh what you're just describing the way that the internet both took away the internet giveth giveth and the internet (laughs) taketh away like wait the local news businesses from my fairly limited understanding about the economics behind it. The local business, the local news businesses suffered greatly from the removal of classifieds and classifieds moving online and, you know, so, sort of the loss of uh, demand for this really like niche targeting that only they could provide back in the day. Then all of a sudden distribution costs were also pushed down enough that, you know, you no longer needed to entirely rely on physical printing of 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 papers for example Mm -hmm. and then almost lagging sort of way consumers had been retrained to pay for and subscribe for information that was uniquely interesting to them and that they would they would need to uh throw down a couple bucks to 
to have access to that the whole cycle of the way that the internet removed the livelihood and the ability to survive for a lot of news organizations and publishers, but then, you know, ended up through, I guess, not by chance, by innovation and, you know, consumer habits changing, the ability to actually start to build really, really unique audiences. And then as you're describing it, those, the ability to like create really, really, really unique audiences has ported from being news oriented to being creator oriented, where anyone can focus in on a passion or a particular profession or, or, or any other like niche area of business and become a mini publisher, not reporting on local news, but maybe reporting on, you know, XYZ interest, which is super cool. I, I know the creators don't think of themselves as reporters, but they're, they're publishers for sure. Yeah. And it's funny because most of our publishers that we know and love, they don't think of themselves as, what is this, creators, like, or journalists. Right. And, and, it, and it's like, yes, correct. But when I think about what this term creator economy, not a, not a term that I coined, but a term that very much describes the thrust of what Nick, my co-founder, and I had in terms of the vision for what we were trying to do, which was um, what does modern entrepreneurial infrastructure look like for this next wave of internet commerce that is based on building an audience? And we we have seen what it looks like when it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm converting that audience to, you know, kind of uh, attention in the form of advertising and brand sponsorships. That's very well built out. And like I said, it's very well built out kind of this, this funnel between, or yeah, I should say from audience building to, to e-commerce. But what if it's, what if I'm not just a simple store? What if that's version one? What if version two is actually a, a pretty complex set of, goods and services and and just access to different platforms that I'm providing my audience that initially found me one place or another. We have been starting to talk about the fact that the website, the role of the website is shrinking quite a bit. Even, you know, when I think of our biggest customers today, they all mostly rely on their websites. I mean, they're publishing a lot of text content. They're they're news publishers. And so when they think about, you know, uh, well, they need a website to host their content, to put it up. Most of the creators that we're starting to work with that are sort of becoming more ambitious and growing their revenue strategies, a website is not where their most polished content is being published. Uh, it ends up that like TikTok and Instagram are really fantastic platforms for both the sort of editing and publishing and presentation of the content that they want to put out, which is YouTube, right? The, which is um, TikTok is a really great viewing platform for a TikTok video, which is a you know a unique subset of video that happens to work really well on the TikTok platform. If you try to take that TikTok video and pull it off TikTok and put it somewhere else on your own website, total failure. No one would ever watch it. For sure. And so in a way, you have to embrace that, which is to say, okay, well, what does it look like for me as a creator business to own the relationship that I have with my audience, own my, which is to say, own my business, really like have control over who I am and, and, and what I'm trying to do, but then also lean into the fact that the best place for me to not just kind of send out a link to my story, but actually have my story viewed 
is on each of these platforms. They, they are native right. viewing experiences. It's, it's where people want to be. And I imagine we're going to see some more things around potential metaverse stuff or different, you know, Discord community. Like, there's no use bringing Discord into your website. Yeah, Discord wants to be consumed and interacted with on Discord, right? So Spotify, same deal. I don't, I'm not going to try to pull people to listen to my podcast or my songs on my website. It's going to, it's going to be, right. on, people want to listen to it on Spotify. So what does this look like? For me, as a as an independent creator, who's not Rihanna or Adele, who can command whatever she wants from the platforms, but wants to have some semblance of control, but also knows that the content I'm creating is natively best consumed across the web in a bunch of different places. Yeah, right. And so this is this is what we're thinking a lot about, which is well, it all comes back down to the audience relationship, then not necessarily where my content is actually being hosted. And it's my ability to control when and how I interact with my audience, that ultimately gives me power over my business. So cool. Yeah, it's interesting to like watch with some of the, you know, especially with some of the, the LinkedIn bio type tools becoming the de facto way that an audience member will, will literally go one click deeper with a creator that owns in some ways like the owned and operated platforms themselves or the owned and operated surfaces like a website have moved from being the actual shelves where you select like what content you want to consume as an audience member to more of like a router mm -hmm. that is sending you to different places and rather than the router being entirely controlled by TikTok or by Instagram, you know, why should it not be controlled by the creator who can choose which things, you know, are probably most interesting to their audience cross-platform rather than within the confines of, of one like siloed environment? Well, and to take it, I guess, a step greater than router, which is what we've done now with PicoLink, which is our new product that is a link in bio product that we rolled out in beta a month ago. Is actually just earlier this month. It's been, I've been playing with it in beta for over a month, but it, we rolled it out awesome. to the public just a couple of weeks ago. Is okay. Well, take the router, but then how do you how do you layer into that router this audience relationship bit? And the reason I say that is because what you can do it's not just owning the email address. It's actually okay. Well, what happens if Pico helps me own the audience relationship? And then I have a, that connects up to Discord, for example, that connects up to my email service, that connects up to maybe a website where I'm hosting course information or other premium content, connects up to maybe Spotify with their OAP platform where I have premium audio. Now, what we're seeing unfold is an internet, and I will say some platforms are very open about this, Twitter and you know Twitter Blue, Spotify with OAP, Discord has always been very developer-friendly with open APIs. Those are great. We have other we have other more verticalized platforms that make it very difficult for the creator to control that sort of two-way relationship. But in terms of platforms that can connect up to a creator's CRM to say, okay, well, I want to kind of dole out benefits across this constellation of platforms where my content lives best, where it's, where it's uh, consumed best, but I get to control it from my own platform, from my sort of creator operating system. That's really the dream of what we're bringing to creators today who are, who are trying to be more ambitious, who are trying to lean in, like I said, where, where their audience does want to consume the content, but also maintain some control so that they can have a sustainable business that, that is theirs at the end of the day. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the kind of like interoperability. It feels like it's more of a, um, I know there's, there are major challenges with platforms that don't allow access, that don't have API, you know, that don't have free APIs. It does seem like Facebook, for example, with the meta announcements, I know they, they in the metaverse vision had made a point to say like, Hey, we need, we need the future to be interoperable. We know that this is the way that things are going with web three and all the kind of recent excitement around interoperability. And, um, so, you know, our, my company is high beam Mm -hmm. is also banking on that more like, you know, the future will bring more access and more control rather than less. So we're really excited about that. And, uh, super fascinated by the way you guys are kind of stitching together other services that creators might be using and and making them work really well with Pico. Super cool. Okay. So we got a couple minutes left. Anything new coming down the the line that you wanted to uh, give us a sneak peek on or anything exciting that you guys are working on that you wanted to uh, narrow in on in the last couple of minutes here? We're working on quite a bit. We have a, a pretty large suite of of features in terms of what our platform does other than just sort of this PicoLink product and the CRM. I will say that this next, next few months, we're going to add a lot more to PicoLink. It's going to very quickly be the what I think is the best in class in terms of just features and function. And we're pretty committed to keeping all PicoLink and its, and its features free, just because we know that we can travel with creators on an upgrade path, basically, where, mm-hmm. okay, if you are going to become a really high revenue creator, you're going to start buying deeper analytics and other things from us. We don't need to make money from you at the sort of at the Lincoln bio level. So we're going to give away all these amazing things. So I'm really excited about that. We're also going really deep on analytics, which I sort of alluded to. The cool thing when you are where we sit is that we can do a lot to help creators understand who's in their audience, where they're coming from, who the most valuable audience members are, and what they're doing that can directly translate to improved business metrics. And machine learning is going to help us do even more with that. We have a data team we're starting to invest more and more in. So I'm really excited about that. Because if you talk to a lot of creators today, they really don't have great insight into where they can spend their time and resources to actually translate that into into better performance, into into more revenue, right. into more sales. And for us to be able to help folks do that, it goes beyond just like automated marketing. It actually gets to literally like what kind of content should I be focusing on? What platform should I be focusing on? And so we're really excited about what we're working on there. That's awesome. Last last uh, couple of questions for you, yeah. uh, or I'll, I'll choose one of the two. Uh, that we typically ask guests, you're, you know, creator, you're a founder in the creator space. I know you're a fan of creators. Who's, who's got your interest these days, uh, either this week, this month, whatever uh, works for you, who, what creator uh, comes to mind? It's funny you say that because what you're, it's like, well, which, which creator did the algorithm put right in front of me just this moment? <laughs> and so actually, yes, um, unfortunately that's how it is, right? There's this, this guy in uh, England named Julius Fielder. And he's uh, actually German and he's a cook. I think he was a film student. So he's doing these amazing TikToks and Instagrams, uh, cooking tutorials, like a lot that you see. They're very well edited. But what I like about him is uh, he kind of marries together my interest in regenerative agriculture and, and organic soils and stuff. And so he has and he's weaving that into his into his cooking in a way that's totally not preachy. It's amazing. He's super talented chef. 
and you know the way he's monetizing i think he's still figuring it out but he's got collabs he's working out with different chefs but then also aside from the instructional bit he's starting his own line of pantry goods and from what i understand they're really incredible so yeah i love it i love what he's doing i love his content and uh his monetization is so far pretty pretty great it seems so and, oh cool. and I, he he goes by at baking herman with two ends so that's that's who i've been following Cool. We will we'll throw a link in the show notes, uh, and I'm excited to check out Julius's stuff as well. And from a from a like a creator business standpoint, it's always cool to see when your favorite creator does something surprising and and interesting to monetize. So that brings an extra out of it added uh, element of excitement. Cool, Jason. This has been amazing. Where's the best way to find you and Pico for folks that are that are interested in checking you out? Yeah, yeah. So Pico, just go to pico.link or on Twitter. We're at Pico. And then I'm on Twitter at Jason W. Bate. Uh, pretty, there's not many Jason W. Bates out there, so pretty, pretty easy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show. Hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. It was a fun, fun time. All right. See you, Jason. Take care. Bye. That wraps this excellent episode of Creator Kit. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a huge difference to us, and it just takes a click. Creator Kit is brought to you by Highbeam, the message management solution for creators. For more creator resources, visit us at highbeamapp.com or follow us on Twitter. See you next week.